Now's the time for you, captive audience, to listen to what my program has been like and what it has done for me. <clears throat> I started out as a compulsive eater when I was born. I really believe that because my earliest, my very earliest memories are of food and getting caught eating something that normal people didn't eat, like dog biscuits and sitting there in the cabinet my mother yelled at me because they were expensive and they were for the dog um, the only arguments no not the only arguments I have two older sisters I have three older sisters but one's quite a bit older and wasn't the problem she was always a sweetie pie to me but the next two two years and four years older than I it was our job to clear the table um, do the, do the dishes or dry the dishes. The most favorable one to do was to clear the table. It's like, quick. So it was always an argument. Who's going to get to clear the table? Well, my father didn't like frosting. So when we had cake, he would scrape it all off and put it on the side of his plate. I would fight tooth and nail to be the one that cleared the table that day because I got to eat his frosting. And I apologize, I forgot to ask, do you mention specific food? Okay, good. Because I just did, so it's a good thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Wow, I am fortunate to have been blessed with a wrath of God voice, so I try not to use it if, if, you know, if I'm not angry at somebody, but um, I will not be angry at you for requesting, so that's good. Um, my life was troubling for me Although I have, one of the first things that got me when I got into this program was what other people had suffered. My focus had been on me. My parents were divorced. I carried guilt for that because it was my fault that I hadn't brought them together. I was lonely because my sisters didn't like me. And I finally recognized that it's because one was two and one was four when I was born. And why would they like me? Um, they would play games like hide-and-seek, and I would be it, and they would go to somebody else's house. It wasn't nice. But they were kids. You know, what did they know? They just had this little sister that they were stuck having to watch. And I'm sure I was a charming little sister because, as I've said, I was probably a compulsive eater to start with, so that carried all those characteristics left over from my infant days of, me, it's all about me, I want me, pay attention to me. That doesn't work very well for other people being around us. So things happened in my life that led me to believe that I had just been abandoned by everybody. Nobody cared about me. Nobody wanted me. So I turned to food. Now I will pass around some pictures. And it starts out with me as a baby. So you can see that I started out not a skinny little, little baby. I had those lovely little chubby cheeks and it just carried from there and I will warn you the last picture is of a lady who's not too overweight at that point who is sitting milking a goat now I would love to tell you that the picture is about the goat because she really did have a lovely udder but actually if you look a little left in the picture into the other room in the basement we milked in the basement of our house because it was warm in the winter and had hot and cold running water the barn didn't anyway the next room was floor 
to stealing things that might have a use. And it wasn't until I was in this program that I looked at that and it dawned on me that my compulsion was more than just with food. I was on the verge of becoming a hoarder. You couldn't walk into that room, but everything in there had a use. And my husband would say, God forbid I would find a use for one of those things because that just would encourage, you know, increasing usage of space to store things like that. So that was the, the purpose of that picture. Um, I ate and I started dieting when I was probably about 12. And unlike other compulsive eaters, I, I had to do it my way. Yeah. Um, it was a diet that I made up. So it was a bizarre diet, actually. It was odd food, undereaten. And it was only recently that I recognized that I had two parts of my compulsion. I was compelled to either undereat or overeat. So I found myself in the position of being 65 years old and sneaking downstairs quietly when I was sure my husband was asleep so that I could sneak and get extra cookies and just stuff my face with them so that nobody would know. And I stole some food from my mother-in-law who lived with us at the time and I was her sole caretaker. Um, she would have given it to me if I had asked, but I didn't ask. I just, because I didn't want anybody to know how much of this I was eating and hid the wrappers. So I was, that was it, that was the bottom. Suddenly I was faced with the fact that I'm not as honest as I thought I was. And that was a scary proposition because I've always thought that I was a really honest person and it began to dawn on me that no, I really wasn't. I was hiding, I was lying, I was sneaking. I actually threw garbage out the window of the car and I have, I have actually told a cop to pick up a cigarette butt because it was littering. And yet here, because I didn't want the evidence in the car that I had eaten something on my way home from work one day. So I sat in front of the computer that day at the ripe old age of 65 and thought, hmm, I think I need help. And I just started sobbing. I didn't know what to do. Where would I turn? I had a friend, a sister of my heart, that had found recovery in AA and her recovery was a miracle. And I thought, maybe there's a program for OA. I lived on the East Coast. So I had never heard of OA, but I just thought, well, maybe there is something there. So I started typing in compulsive eating and so forth, and lo and behold, I found OA and was guided to an online program for working with OA, because I couldn't go to face-to-face -face meetings with my mother-in-law. She had dementia, um, and it wouldn't have worked out, and I was her sole caretaker. So I did. And at that point, because of my age, I realized I can't risk doing this any longer. I'm too old to blow it. I've done the blowing it for, for years. And so what I did was I decided, okay, I'm going to stop dieting a radical thought 
when I came into OA. And I'm going to let OA teach me how to be hungry for the rest of my life. Little did I know that OA was going to teach me how to live my life. And because I knew how to live my life, I wasn't hungry anymore most of the time. What a miracle that was. I participated in that program for about the first year of my recovery and it was just what I needed and I got just as strong a recovery as from face to face the difference is a name in parentheses really isn't the same as a hug so I love my face to face meetings I love the nods I love hearing the laughter if I ever say anything funny I don't know um, but it was what I needed at that time and I wound up finding a plan of eating because I used to be a nurse so I knew all along how I was supposed to eat but this, this disembodied arm would come and put food in my mouth that I didn't need and I would binge so all I did with my plan of eating at the beginning was stop dieting, stop binging cut down on volume and that was it and the weight started to fall off because I started to work my steps and I got a sponsor right away and it was just marvelous I can't explain it to you there were instances where life was not fun in that time um, about six months into my program my mother-in-law was obviously at the end of her life she was almost 98 and my responsibilities for her were, were quite a bit I got a phone call that said my father in Cape Cod was dying and I thought nope I can't go to Cape Cod and leave her in the care of strangers and obviously my husband is not going to do her personal care so I stayed a few days later I got a phone call that said my father had died I didn't go back for the funeral either and I knew that was the right thing it wasn't easy but I knew it was the right thing and three weeks later my mother-in-law died and I knew for sure I was holding her hand I knew I supported her I helped her in passing and it was her passing that gave me the first real connection with my higher power I had started out as an agnostic if I ignore God he's going to ignore all the bad things that I do and I'm not sure it worked that way it was things would happen in my life that were good somebody up there likes me I could never admit that it might be a power greater than myself because I had just never faced that um, wording and being somewhat of a semanticist I guess wording just sticks in my head and if you don't say it exactly I'm not going to understand it oh gee I'm not perfect um, so when my mother-in-law was on her last day we got the priest over to um, give her the last rites he showed up at the exact same moment the food showed up now I was on my plan of eating it was a simple plan and it was not a problem but we put the food aside because obviously we're not going to make the priest wait while we eat it took two hours 
had no idea it was going to take that long. Finally, he left. My mother-in-law, it was wonderful. She smiled. She knew he was there. It was wonderful. So it was worth it. Got the food, put it on the table, and the priest knocked on the door and said, my car has been towed. So my husband had to drive him. At that point, it was like 10 o'clock at night, so hungry, sad, tired, lonely because my husband wasn't there. I wasn't angry about anything at that point, but hey, halt, fit. Um, So I decided, I don't care. I'm going to eat more of this food than is my allowed amount on my program. And I sat down and I started eating and I got to the bite that was the last bite of the amount that is my normal serving of that and I got this very strong message that said, you know what, that's enough. And at that moment I recognized my higher power was talking to me and he was helping me at my weakest moment. He was there to help me. He, she, it, doesn't matter. It's just a convenience, semantics. Um, And I just threw away the rest of it because I've had from the beginning I leave one bite of every meal because if I can leave one bite I can leave a hundred so it doesn't matter what's on my plate that last bite is not my food and that has been a powerful ally for me my recovery continues to this day I've learned that I may have a wrath of God voice but I also can have a voice that sounds too authoritative like I know everything and good heavens I know I don't you know in this program we learn things as we go along and I'm learning things as I go along so that's one of the things I'm working on that's one of the defects that I've asked to have be released let me just talk about what the program has brought to me not what I have brought to the program Let me channel through what this program does to all of you, not what I think you need to know. Because I have no way of knowing what you need to know. It's just this program fits in. So the second time I had a revelation in this program of a higher power having direct power in my life was when I... Uh, went to a workshop and it was a workshop you may have been to yourselves that is write a letter to God and then write a letter from God so I sat and I very conscientiously filled in a whole sheet of paper with tiny little words loaded with thank you for this and please help that and all these you know wonderful prayers and everything and I said well I filled up the page that's, that's good so I turned the page over and I said okay now I'm for my letter from God And I picked up my pen and I said, Dear Lori, I am here. That was it. Nothing else. And I put down the pen. And I surprised myself and I said, Wow, I always talk a lot. How come I didn't have more to say? And I realized it's because I wasn't the one who said that. And very 
much I felt almost a physical hand at my back just reassuring me I have your back and it just blossomed for me and I was open to everything this program had to teach me and that means I had to face being wrong about ideas what a horrible thought I'm wrong about some things (laughs) a couple of weeks ago I was at a meeting and it was somebody who shared that she had discovered that she was wrong about something and she thought it was wonderful and afterwards the two of us got together and we were jumping up and down going yes isn't it wonderful to find out you're wrong about something and yet it really is because that means that what's already in here is not enough there's lots more for me to learn I'm not going to ever be bored in these rooms because I'm going to have more to learn more to find out about um, six months ago now I got sick and I felt miserable and so finally went to the doctor he couldn't find it went back to him and said you got to do something I, this, this is it's just not getting better so he did he took some tests called me and said I have to tell you you have cancer and I thought ah. and then I thought okay well I'm not dying right now so I think I'm just going to stay in today and just do the next thing I need to do go see the next doctor that's going to take care of this cancer well it was a good thing I had that attitude and I got that attitude from OA I didn't get it for me I mean really me in the past would have been but not anymore and so I went to doctor 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 had a bunch of tests they realized the test hadn't been done correctly that gave that diagnosis and so they redid it oh it was a wrong diagnosis I don't have cancer at all they don't have any idea what I did have but whatever it was went away eventually took up several months I'm suffering consequences because I already have arthritis so it screwed up my back a little bit more but so what now I have a physical therapist who's helping me I stayed in the moment my sponsor talks about living in the catastrophe of the future I didn't I stayed in the moment I was okay that moment and that was what I needed to do and it's it saved me it helped me and the same thing now I've been told I need a spinal fusion well maybe I'm gonna go see another doctor get another opinion maybe maybe not but I'm not having it right now so why suffer the pain right now I'm going to stay in this moment and go on with my life and my life has gotten so much better I've lost I'm maintaining 77 pounds of weight loss I've been abstinent in this program for four and a half years four and two-thirds years if you want to be picky about it um, my shoes got too big whoever expected that I have one blouse that I had brought with me from Pennsylvania when we moved because I never believed that I was going to be slim again but I liked the color in that blouse and I could tie it in front so that it would fit now it's actually getting too big I never expected that I've been able to go on a cruise to a Vegas uh, buffet and 
not overeat because my plan says I eat this much food and so I stick to it it is the most important thing I do because if I'm fiddling around with food again then I'm going to lose my contact with the people I'm going to have to stand up here and tell you ooh I blew it and I don't want to have to do that because it was people in this program who told me about not blowing it about what they did to avoid eating what they knew they were not supposed to be eating that got me to be able to do the same thing and I've heard people say well uh, relapse is inevitable in this program and I don't believe that at all all you have to do is listen to the people who relapse find out what they did at the beginning that started their slide and almost every one of them will say they stopped going to meetings they thought they had it okay they were all right and they snuck in a little bit of food here a little bit of food there and slid down into relapse so I say okay I'm not going to use the excuse I don't feel like it if I don't want to go to a meeting no I'm going to go to the meeting whether I feel like it or not because it doesn't matter I've never my I quote my sponsor all the time she said I've never been to a bad meeting some meetings are better than others but I've never been to a bad one and I have to agree every single one of them reads the steps listens to the steps follow them do what it says shut up and just do what it says and it works and it's not because we're special people it's because the whole program was written with the guidance of the higher power and that's almost magical and I'm not going to stand here and use human words to try and describe how that could be because it doesn't make any sense the point is we're all compulsive eaters in one way or another over under abusing laxatives I've done that oh. um, there is a saying the jackass is in the ditch doesn't matter why the jackass is in the ditch just get him out and that's what this whole program is about just follow the steps pay attention to the traditions they count it's showing respect for our program um, all these things contact the sponsor every day you know unless you're in the emergency room and your phone is not working okay that would be an excuse but otherwise it's do something and I will leave you with just one idea when it comes to this program do it don't chew it <laughs>
and you knew I was sitting how to eat. Uh, what was it that you can describe that made you know all this knowledge one day, and then the next day be able to abstain? And what do you do when you do find your food, if you ever do, getting bigger? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, how did I recognize the difference between when I ate, knowing what I, how to eat, and I still didn't eat, and now knowing how to eat and eating that way? I don't know. All I can say is that it was because I came to this program and trusted this program, and maybe it was because I stopped dieting. I had always restricted myself from some favored foods which would make me crave them. And so I turned around and decided, okay, I'm going to stop dieting. And I added some foods back into my diet plan that hadn't been there before. And all I can say is that I w maybe it was because I was old and was just so frightened of continuing on the way I was. Um, but my fear of food went away. I came to the conclusion it's not the food that's the problem, it's the compulsion. So I wrote a plan that included all kinds of foods, but each kind is proportionate. The lower the calories, I don't count calories, it's, it's the diabetic exchange diet, it's just really easy to follow. So the lower calorie dense a food is, the more of it I can have but none of it can I have in mass quantities. I can no longer have a full package of salad just for me, uh, which is what I used to do. No, it has to be reasonable. So the word reasonable came in. The OA definition was being reiterated at the time that I came into the program and I took that to heart. It said, I always forget the right word, avoiding compulsive behaviors so I wrote compulsive behaviors into my plan of eating Your, my plan of eating is this much the compulsive behaviors are nine tenths of the page so it was things like stuffing two bites of food in your mouth before you'd swallowed the first one all those behaviors I began to look how do normal eaters eat can I mimic their behavior I will never be a normal eater but can I mimic their behavior and so this is what guided me to eating and I just somebody described once there's two parts to abstinence the first part is following your plan of eating the second part is when you do that you get the gift of abstinence from your higher power and so I feel like I got that that gift it was not me it was the program that brought it and that's all I can describe and it was I kept it because I just kept going and I never stopped working my program. I work it every day. And when you start, did you find yourself starting to overeat? I have only actually done it once. Um, and that if I have a food that is the compulsive bite, I can never have that food again. So I found myself going from one end of Costco to the other end and taking a sample at one end and half an hour later, because it was Christmas shopping, taking another sample at the other end, and I went, oh no, I already had one of those. Next year, I can't do that. 
So at the moment, I have only two foods on my never have. One was there when I started because I just couldn't break it into portions. Some candy bars just wouldn't break into portions that were reasonable. Um, so I just put it there. And I, yeah, how did that work? I don't know. It just did. But now I'm motivated. If I'm at a birthday party and I allow myself to have three bites, three normal-sized bites of birthday cake, I'm fortunate enough that I can do that because the fourth bite is my compulsive bite. It's not the food that's my problem. It's the compulsion. So as long as I never, ever, 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 ever take that fourth bite, then I'm okay. That's me. Most people can't do that. I don't know. Maybe it's an extra gift I got because I was so old when I started. <laughs> you know. Yes. Okay, the question is, what do I do on a daily basis? I start my day, as soon as I'm aware that I'm awake, I simply say, thank you, God. doesn't matter for what. I had no power over waking up. I have no power over the fact that I'm alive. So, thank you. You know, I'm here. Even if it's a day that I'm in pain, it doesn't matter. I'm here. I have the opportunity to live this day. So, I start that I do have because I have a husband and he's still working a full-time job. I have some things that I have to get done in the morning. Um, But then as soon as I'm back to my own time, my first thing is to sit down and type my prayers. Because I have a touch of ADD and when I try to pray just in my head, there was a a t-shirt that said, they try to tell me that I have ADD, but I don't think, oh, look, a squirrel. (laughs) So my prayers get a bit, oh, look, a squirrel, unless I'm typing them. And I type them with my my eyes closed because it doesn't matter what the paper says. Well, it's not even paper. It's the computer. It doesn't matter what it says. What matters is what I am talking to my higher power about. And the second thing I do is I just sit quietly and meditate for a few minutes. I have a stone that I like. It's a soft, not soft stone. Yeah, that's an oxymoron. It's a smooth stone so that it occupies that part of my ADD. I deep breathe. It occupies that part. While I'm breathing in, I'm breathing in God's will in. And then I breathe out. And and while I'm breathing that in, I picture my favorite beach scene with the water splashing up on the rocks because I just love that. And that is totally God. I have nothing to do with the fact that the water is from these little tiny oceans splashing up on the rocks. So I'm taking that in. And it occupies me enough that I can focus on these four things. As I'm breathing out, I'm picturing flushing a toilet and my will out. And it's just calm and quiet. And I I am astounded every time when I set the timer that the time is up. And it's like, wow, you know, 10 minutes. Not too bad. Then I sit down and I still have a strong computer online program going. I have my sponsees uh, email me their food because I can pay attention to it better than if they tried to tell me when they're on the phone. They call me every morning at set times somewhere in here 
Um, and uh, so I respond to their emails. I don't tell them what to eat, but I will guide them if they ask me for help with finding a plan of eating that works for them. I'm now vegan. I don't expect any of my um, OA vegan. It's not perfect. Sometimes I will have fish or something. But I don't expect them to follow my plan. I will just help them follow theirs. But what it is is I expect them to contact me every day to be honest. Don't do anybody any good if you're not honest sharing your food with your sponsor. It's a waste of time. Um, And that they have to do it pretty much regularly. Then I have another site that I go to that is an OA topic with questions. And I do that virtually every day. Um, Then I get to play a game on the computer. Then I do Lumosity because, gee, I think it's a surprise to you, I'm old. And my mother had Alzheimer's, so I'm doing my best. It's the reason for the vegan diet. I'm doing my best to um, do what I can to stimulate my brain so that... Oh, look, a squirrel. No. So, so that I don't you know, fall into the same pattern. And um, then I just go about my day. And that's pretty much it. But it's very program-oriented at the beginning. Yes? My abstinence is exactly the OA abstinence. I have been avoiding compulsive food behavior while working toward and maintaining a healthy weight. I achieved my healthy weight about two years ago now, um, and I'm actually still very, very, very slowly losing a little bit more. I chose my plan of eating. I left it up to God what I weighed. But I chose a plan of eating from the beginning that would maintain my healthy weight. Because I weighed more than that at the beginning, it took more calories to weight to maintain 77 more pounds than what I weigh now. So I lost down to that by simply, and I never changed, I never stopped. It's the same as I ate from the beginning. And I'm sorry, the other half of your question? Oh, I guess I answered that then. Thank you. Was my eating plan the same at the beginning as it is now? Yeah. Wait, the gentleman behind. Yes. I have sisters that um, I won't be judgmental, but um, I think they're they could probably benefit from the program. But I, they see me eat when I go. I'm going Tuesday. I'm going back to Connecticut to visit. So um, when I visit, they can see. I am the slim one. I was always the fat one in the family. So now I'm the smallest. And if they ask me, I will explain. I have my, okay, I have my four-year OA token attached to my pocketbook. Because if anybody notices it, I will talk to them about it. If I go to the doctor and the doctor says, your healthy weight. I get, yep, I didn't used to be. Oh, how is that? I will explain briefly. I won't push it on anybody. For the first two years of my program, my husband was not in the program. And so one of the hardest things I ever did was keep my mouth shut and not push my program on him. Every once in a while, I would be celebrating something really exciting 
and I would ask him does he mind if I share something with him and he usually didn't um, he came to the, OA, uh, the LA birthday party and that was how he eventually found his recovery so and got his sponsor there so I don't push it on anybody but I am not ashamed to be in Overeaters Anonymous I'm not ashamed to need to be in Overeaters Anonymous because I had nothing to do with having the disease I have only to do with my behavior with my disease I can cooperate with what OA teaches me or I can cooperate with my disease I prefer to cooperate with OA I have wrinkles now I'd rather have wrinkles than the fat that filled out my cheeks and kept the wrinkles away I just changed if you change the way you look at things the things you look at change it's just as simple as that and there was another question in the back there um, how do I do that that's always a really good question um, because how I do it is by doing the things that long timers in OA do and I listen to them and I absorb what they say what they do I'm not perfect I don't use all the tools obviously writing is an important tool to me obviously sponsoring and meetings and prayer and abstinence I don't think prayer is one of the tools but it should be um, it's a step um, I still have a thousand pound telephone um, I don't know God has not seen fit to relieve me of that burden but I'm getting better at it because I continue to work at it I continue to try to improve my program and as long as I'm working my program somehow I'm getting the recovery so I don't know how it happens all it is is I'm doing and it works I think it was Harlan that said this is not a program for people who need it this is not a program for people who want it this is a program for people who do it and that's what works do we have any other questions okay